to show you. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of The Sirens of Scream, the geek podcast that proves sometimes dead is better. I'm Melissa Megan, and I'm here with Sierra Hawk. Hello. And Jackie DeVore. Hello. Hello. Hello there. So, ladies, what have we been up to for the past two weeks? All kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. We're planning a trip down to Disneyland this fall, and I realized that we're going to be also going to Universal. We're going to be there during uh, Halloween Horror Nights. Awesome. awesome. I am so excited. I've never been. Very but that's cool. like the spooky news that is going on in my life. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I, I went a few times when I was living in Florida. It's really I'm, fun. I'm sorry that you had to live in Florida. I know. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your empathy. I want to say it's um Universal Studios now has a year-round Walking Dead thing that's supposed to be starting up too this year. I look. Oh, really? I I think that there's definitely a Walking Dead attraction this mm-hmm. year at Haunted Horror Nights, along with an Exorcism one and a Texas Chainsaw Massacre one. But I don't know if the Walking one. Dead is year-round. I thought it was a year-round thing, but I might be wrong. When are you going? Uh, the end of September. Hmm. We are go. you going to the one in Orlando, or are you going to? Uh, isn't there one in California? Yeah, we're going to Orlando though. Oh, cool. We're going. I think the first week in October. Nice. Cool. Right so we'll have you. to have a we'll have to have an episode about it. <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna do the Harry Potter world? Yeah, we are. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I really want to do that. I am gonna be on a uh, mom duty while I'm there though, so a little a yeah. little less fun maybe. Yeah, last year we were kind of stuck at the resort doing all the Disney mm-hmm. stuff. I'm hoping that they have a better representation from the Pixar side this year because last year was kind of depressing how little they had for Pixar. That's a bummer. It's all like princesses or Disney Junior. Okay. Yeah, that is a little boring. Yeah. I think we saw Toy Story, the astronaut. Buzz. Yeah, we saw him. And maybe the monsters. I think we might have seen like a monster thing, but Pixar wasn't a lot. Jackie, what have you been up to other than bunny snuggling? Well, I chopped all of my hair off yesterday, which is awesome. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I started building our Halloween house for this year, which (gasps) was fun. Like I'm getting some foam board and making big old creepy bricks out of it and stuff. And I'm going to make a big old sign over our wall. Walkway that says Castle de Borkila. Pretty excited about it. Need to make you, some monster money. Do you guys do a different theme every year or is it just Haunted House? It depends on how much time we have. The last two years we did the same thing and that was a uh, monster house, but I upgraded a lot of elements of it last year from the previous year. Cool. And this year we're going with something completely different. Are you in a good neighborhood for trick or treaters? Yeah, I'm in uh, like the historic downtown area of uh, Savannah. You know, there's a lot of families here, a lot of people walking around around we actually had a lot of kids come up last year that weren't in costume they just thought our house was really cool and they wanted to stop by and i'm a sucker so i gave them all of my candy but it's a lot of fun we get a lot of trick-or-treaters so teenagers of savannah with no costumes you know where to go (laughs) to get all the candy Mm -hmm. (laughs) i miss that halloween stuff we're on a road that's really busy so we don't get any trick-or-treaters but when i was growing up my uncle used to do a big thing where he'd build a, a whole like graveyard in the front yard and he awesome. took the top piece of the screen door out and would stand in the screen door like all dressed up and like jump out at the kids and <laughs> nice yeah so it was always really fun to hang you know we'd go out and trick-or-treat and then we'd go back to my cousin's house and trade candy and then like stay there to scare the kids hang out in the yard and jump out at them and <laughs> very cool i miss doing that so uh we have so many cool things to share this week i'm pretty excited for 
recommendations. So let's get started with what we're loving now. Jackie, tell me what you're loving right now. Okay, so I've got a couple of, um, I guess they're both kind of off the wall recommendations this week. <laughs> uh, one of them is an entire subreddit. It's called No Sleep and it's uh, reddit.com slash r slash no sleep if you want to check it out. And it's basically an entire community of people writing short horror stories. And some of them, you know, every now and then you're going to see a flop here and there, but some of them are incredible. I wanted to talk specifically about one that I ran into a couple years ago. This is seriously like two or three years ago that I ran across this. It's called uh, Booth World Industries, Building Custom Lives Since 1888. <laughs> the way this person wrote the story, they got a random call about a remodeling. Some woman on the phone asked them for a name and said they would reschedule a remodel for the certain time. Would you like a courtesy call? Guy gets a call back at this time that he scheduled this remodeling for, and he hears the person whose name he gave them, which is an ex-girlfriend, on the other line, screaming and choking and all this horrible stuff and clearly dying. And some guy picking up the phone saying, your remodeling session has been completed. Have a wonderful day. And from there, it basically goes on to this guy has to get a thousand people to join Booth World or he's going to do his own remodeling. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, this whole remodeling uh, session very soon. So he's, uh, you know, posting on the subreddit saying, please join Booth World. And he posts a phone number. So naturally, all of us horror fanatics are on there calling this phone number. And if you go through the subreddit and sort by top, you'll eventually come across this phone number and see in the comments that a lot of people called and got these really wonderfully creepy voicemail answering services here saying, thank you for calling Booth World. Your remodeling service is scheduled for, you know, this really weird, awesome, really involved prank going on here. Prank me, in air quotes. <laughs> prank. But me personally, I called this number and somebody fucking answered the phone. Okay. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> somebody answered the phone. And anybody that knows me knows I hate talking on the phone like phones really <laughs> freak me out so not only if i'm am i reading this horror story all these people are leaving these creepy comments like oh my god what was that that i just heard but somebody fucking answers the phone <laughs> <laughs> So naturally, I hang up. Like, a big did you spat. pretend that you were ordering Chinese food? No, I almost did. I was like, oh, uh, I, I think this was a mistake. Hang up. <laughs> but so, and I leave a comment on there. Seriously, again, two or three years ago, I leave a comment saying that I called the number, somebody answered, so I broke out and hung up the phone. And I specifically said in there, OP, if that was you that answered, I am sorry, I'm socially awkward, but I cannot handle this. <laughs> and apparently, a lot of people responded to that comment that I left but I never got those responses on Reddit two or three years ago so I never responded to them. So did you just find these now? Well no I still get personal messages on Reddit because of this comment two or three years ago and a lot of people asking wait are you still alive and I, <laughs> you I just never responded. <laughs> yeah. So Meanwhile you're racking up the karma. Right? So, and what's, what's awesome. really, yeah and what's really cool about the whole booth world thing is that um um, whomever put this together did it really nicely. Like there was a website at one point that was very nicely put together. There have been other stories that connected to Booth World that did it. Like one of them was a girl who found a dead body in the woods with some weird messages and shit. And then Booth World showed up and was like, oh, well, we saw you too with pictures of the actual ah. girl like walking into the woods. It progresses to Booth World posting pictures of this girl in her house, posting on Reddit from inside her closet. What? Like somebody, yeah, somebody went into a a lot 
of a lot of detail with the whole booth world thing. It's amazing. And that's the kind of stuff that you're going to find on No Sleep in general is just really cool stories. People who love horror going into this bizarre and really detailed stuff here. And it's a lot of fun. It's creepy as shit, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I have a confession. I really don't like Reddit. Yeah. Like there's some kind of thing that I have. It's just such a big text block. I have a really hard time reading it. It's not organized enough for me. Yeah. I did go in there and check it out, but I kind of like looked at a few things and then I was like, ah, so much text. <laughs> There's no paragraphs. Everything's just like blah, 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 You should get Reddit Enhancement Suite and it probably make oh, life yeah? easier for you. Yeah, I'll send you a link to it. Is that an app? Yeah, it's a it's a Digible. browser plugin. <laughs> it makes okay. it a lot easier to browse. Okay. Bonus rack. No sleep is a lot of fun. I the think effort. I'm already going to have no sleep thinking about somebody taking pictures of me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> making comments. <laughs> literally from inside her closet. It was no. it was so cool. Um, but the other recommendation I have is Aesop Rock released a new album recently. I actually think it just came out last week. It's called The Impossible Kid. And first of all, it's a good album, but that's not even kind of what I want to talk about here. The cover art from it is from uh, the artist Alex Pardee, which if you look up his artwork, he does a lot of horror-related artwork. And it's awesome too. Still not what I want to talk about here. Aesop Rock released this album on YouTube. The entire album streaming an entire like 48 minute block of music for the album and they reshot The Shining shot for shot using puppets these creepy ass little wooden peg doll puppets cheap terrible background sets that they put a lot of love into <laughs> and it's incredible I sat here just a few nights ago watching the entire thing and it's disturbing how much putting eyelids on a peg doll can make it look like Jack Nicholson for one <laughs> And I mean, the, uh, you know, the elevator scene with the, with the blood coming out, they did that incredible too. And it's the whole, I I'm like at a loss for words on this one. It's, it's bizarre and it's horrible and it's brilliant all at once. But, it's the entire uh, movie? It's the entire movie. It is wow. like they condensed it down to 48 minutes, but it's a shot for shot remake of The Shining. Like it'll even linger on a puppet doll doing literally nothing because it's, you know, a long dialogue <laughs> in the movie part. And it's... It's so weird. <laughs> this, I feel like this is like the next um, progression of music videos. Yeah. Beyonce did her infamous Lemonade. Yeah, the Lemonade thing was awesome. Uh, but I don't know if I would consider that quite the same thing because her Lemonade event was really tied into the actual music. And while the Aesop Rock album does strangely match up to The Shining a little bit, this is absolutely just straight up The Shining with puppets. And there happens to be an Aesop Rock album going on in the background. Okay. So. Well, I mean, like this this idea now of instead of doing a, a music video where it's one song and a video put to it, but this idea of doing like a, what did they call it with Beyonce? I think they called it a visual album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like stretching out an entire album and putting visuals to it. Yeah. It's like a comic book in video form. Kind of. But so yeah, if you got 48 minutes to spare, I highly, highly recommend watching this weird puppet version of The Shining. It's amazing. I haven't had 48 minutes to spare to watch it yet, but I'm going to. You should. Probably as soon as we stop talking on the show. <laughs> because it sounds awesome. Sierra, what are yes. you loving now? When Jackie said that she was going to recommend No Sleep, it reminded me of this Tumblr blog that I follow called Sixpence, and it's spelled with three E's at the end, so it's S-I-X-P. 
p-e-n-c-e-e-e.tumblr.com. And uh, the girl who runs it is really rad. She kind of collects stories from No Sleep and then also stories written from the followers and from other places online that she finds. And then it's also kind of a collection of images and weird videos and they make cool t-shirts and they especially do a lot of weird history kind of things on there too and like just weird art. So that's one that I follow that No Sleep definitely reminded me of. I checked that out yeah right before we started recording and when my husband was down here troubleshooting some sound things for me he walked upstairs and he goes I don't know what's going on but I just hear this girl talking about a doll and I don't know where it's coming from and it was from that page and I didn't realize I left it open and she it just kept playing over and over again this girl standing in a dark bathroom with a doll talking about a doll nice. so I think last night or yesterday they did um kind of dare thing of every hour she posts a new dare and you would have to try it and it was like find a doll and dig up grave dirt and put the dirt in a box with the doll and then focus on it and then it'll be possessed by a spirit and then she like encourages all of her followers to do all the dares if you're brave enough kind of thing that's awesome yeah it's really cool (laughs) she's done some ghost ones of like kind of bloody mary kind of stuff so it's 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 nice and interactive too (laughs) interactive tumblr yeah cool i want you to tell me about your next one because i've never heard of this oh my gosh it's so good so the other weekend not this weekend but the one before um i rewatched the show over the garden wall which is a cartoon on cartoon network and it's i think only 12 episodes and they're all only 11 minutes long um so it's not a huge commitment but it's beautiful and it's about these two brothers who get lost in the woods and they're making their way and they come across all these different people and monsters and things like that and it's just it's absolutely bizarre and it's a kid's show but it's one of those kids shows that is not really a kid's show kind of (laughs) it's just bizarre and unsettling um and it has really beautiful music too and it has elijah wood in it and christopher lloyd which is interesting yeah uh tim curry was in an episode it has a lot of really good people working on it and i highly recommend it if you like weird really good animation and even if you don't don't like animation the story is so good that i think anybody who likes this podcast and who likes weird things would also like it i would assume anybody who's listening to this podcast likes weird cool animation i would think so yeah yeah kind of goes hand in hand with horror stuff right it really does yeah i'm super psyched to watch it oh it's so good it's so good this is the best thing about this show right now is we get to share all this cool stuff with people that are listening to this but i think already on episode number two and we've all gotten some really awesome discoveries from each other yeah yeah mm-hmm. absolutely i'm i'm a little bit embarrassed for my first recommendation <laughs> but i'm gonna recommend it anyway i don't care <laughs> i'm embarrassed because i'm recommending an m night Shyamalan movie don't hate me yeah i was pretty surprised when you threw that name out there listen people don't don't twitter hate on me okay I remember this i know how you guys are <laughs> It's called The Visit. It's from 2015. And I kind of forgot about this, but we were talking about recent horror movies that we've been watching. And I tried a few recently that I thought were going to be really cool. And I was a little disappointed by them. And my husband reminded me of this one. I think I speak for a lot of people when I say that M. Night Shyamalan has made some really great things, but kind of fallen off the edge. He's yeah. also made some really bad decisions. Right. But this this movie was, it was pretty simple like and clean. Like he didn't try to do a ton of weird effects or weird like alien stuff. I'm just mm-hmm. really not into the alien thing. It's very simple kind of homegrown psychological horror is mm-hmm. what it is. It's a story of a couple of kids who are sent to visit their grandparents 
in this sort of uh, remote little country home. They, it's really hard to tell you too much without spoiling the movie, but their grandparents act really, really strange. After the sun goes down, grandma does really weird, <laughs> really weird things. They're told pretty early on to keep their bedroom door shut so they don't mm-hmm. interact with grandma and her weird things. And try to call the mom and the mom's just like, they're just old, honey. I know, <laughs> like- I know. That one, like, you will be my savior, but then also she's, like, not going to believe yeah. them. They're just holding crazy. <laughs> yeah. Or you kids are just complaining because you don't want to be in the country with your grandparents. You just want to go yeah. home. Yeah. I don't know. If my grandparents were this old and crazy, like, the things that these people had going on, no. <laughs> <laughs> these are the most terrifying grandparents. And that's I the mean, scary thing. Everybody has grandparents. Yep. Right. <laughs> right. And, and we don't understand the weird, crazy things that old people do sometimes. But um, one of my favorite scenes from this was... Was, uh, a scene when the kids decide that they want to play hide and seek under the front porch and they've got one of those really neat big giant kind of wraparound front porch it's like a maze underneath and you can just crawl around in the dirt under there and they're playing hide and seek and grandma decides to play hide and seek with them and she is yeah it's just so creepy and she's so a little too good at it it's kind of like when <laughs> it's kind of the beginning I think of the weirdness yeah. um, it's pretty early on in the film but it's it really gives you a, a hint very quickly of how strange this movie's gonna get you see her under there and i had no idea that it was even the grandmother at first it's just what the hell is going on underneath this porch (laughs) and you're just terrified for these kids because you remember that feeling when you're a kid of crawling in a tight space like that you know and something that begins as fun playful game quickly becomes panic and fear if you feel trapped for a second right Um, yeah so and the one thing I really liked about this movie is I didn't actually catch the twist too early, which is something I think with M. Night Shyamalan that sometimes ruins the films for me is it's a little mm-hmm. too predictable and you understand what's going on too early on. Yeah. And, and then you just wait for it to happen. Like, ah, I knew that was going to happen. Right. This one really snuck up on me. I didn't really expect it until I think I was meant to figure it out. So I was impressed with it. And I thought all the performances were pretty good, even the kids. And usually kid actors just suck. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's The Visit. Um, and don't yell at me because I recommend an M. Night Shyamalan movie, but I would give it a, I would give it a shot. I think it's fun. Uh, my second recommendation is a horror game that I've been trying to play because I promised Jackie that I would play more scary games <laughs> for the show. Um, and this is called Layers of Fear. And I think I mentioned it on our first episode that I wanted to check it out. Um, it's available on Windows, PlayStation 4, Xbox One. Uh, I imagine Steam. Steam has everything. Um, it's a psychological horror game and it's first person and you are a painter who is um, having some psychological issues. Things are getting weird and it's it's very much an exploration game where you're sort of thrown into this house. You walk in, you literally walk in the front door from the beginning of the uh, game and you just start exploring to figure out, you know, what your own story is. Like, who are you? Is there anybody in the house? Um, very early on, you figure out that you have a wife or you had a wife at some point, but there's no one you can find in the house um there's a child involved somewhere um and there's a uh, a workroom where you've got a big easel obviously you've been working on a lot of painting and creation there's paintings all over the house that are really creepy and strange and surreal and unsettling uh strange faces looking at you from weird angles in all of these paintings and these sort of really um kind of baroque style like hellish scenes of weird demons stretching people in strange ways and and then there's these like beautiful landscapes with flowers <laughs> and fruit. 
Um, and it's it, it's uh, it's that it's a very quiet game. You're just sort of wandering around by yourself. But pretty early on in the game, um, things start to happen. For example, you might be standing in a room, seems perfectly normal in a kitchen, and you turn around, you can't find anything. You're able to open drawers and open cabinets and look anywhere that you want to look. Um, in a lot of these drawers and cabinets, you find little notes that are clues and pieces to tell you about what your story is. Um, you find photographs around the house, really old black and white photographs. Um, and you might be in a room and you think you found everything there is to find in there. And then you turn around once you look, you're like, okay, there's nowhere to go. You turn around again and something is completely different in the room. I've walked oh, through rooms. Weird. Yeah, I think it's a lot of jump scares. Um, I think I was in a room at one point and I was just turning around trying to figure out where to go because in most of these rooms, it's like you walk in a door and there might be two or three other doors in the room and some of them are locked and only one of them will let you pass through. And once you've entered the room, you usually can't turn around and go back. Mm -hmm. Like the door locks behind you and then you're stuck there. Yeah, it's kind of a like wandering through a haunted house um, in this video game. But it's your house and you're uncovering your own story. Um, I remember being in one room where I turned around. It was a very small bedroom, very tight, small little room. And I was turning around and there's paintings on easels all over the room. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do next? And at one point I just turn around. It's all first person, you know, so it's very... what's the word? Uh, it's very um, en- engaging. I feel like I'm in the game and I turn around and one of the paintings from across the room was suddenly inches from my face. Oh, Jesus. It's <laughs> huge. It is very disorienting and, and it gets more like there's points at which the room twists and turns and changes um, or points when you're walking down a hallway and you turn the corner and the hallway repeats hmm. and you suddenly can't figure out if you went the right direction or if you got turned around backwards. Um, there was, uh, yeah, I admit there was was a point that I handed my husband the controller and I asked him to do it for a while because I was <laughs> I was so tense and tightly wound and nervous to I was nervous to turn around in the game because it you know there were so many times that I turned around and something was there that wasn't there the last time it's <laughs> um, really cool it's really cool and there's this really pretty soft music in the background the whole time um there's I, I think I think I'm starting I haven't gotten that far into it but I'm starting to get the feeling that I'm doing a little bit of jumping around in time too yeah like there's moments where the house looks more modern and things look more um or almost I wouldn't say modern but maybe like 70s you know some of the things that are sitting around give me the that impression and then there's other times when I suddenly see like a really old record player with uh, uh what are they call those record players with the big Victrola. right something like that sitting around and it's like I'm not in the same place that I was before and there's moments when the whole room just starts to turn black and things start to creep up the walls hmm. um, you come across random doors that are chained up or there was one door where there's just like what appears to be blood leaking out from underneath the door it's just all over the floor <laughs> yeah just random you know it's that kind of game where like it feels very like you're in a, you're in a house like oh I'm just in this house and normal things oh wait that door has blood seeping out of it <laughs> I don't like you just you get that yeah that that creeping <laughs> feeling of like that's something bad's happening over there I don't know if I want to go in that direction <laughs> that's nice. where I was just hiding around corners and like peeking hey, what's around that corner um yeah really really cool game I'm not super far into it yet because I'm creeping around it like a scaredy cat um and I I you start to find little pieces of various things throughout the game also that um, there's like a little narrative that will pop up and it's I, what I imagine is my own voice is your character voice um, kind of reliving s- certain things in time moments in time where you hear your character speaking out loud to someone
someone or talking about something that happened. Um, so yeah, so far I've collected a chunk of human skin, um, <laughs> a bottle of blood, and a box with bones in it. Nice. Are you so, building your wife? It sounds like you're building a human <laughs> there. Yeah. I have no idea. I have a, a bookcase that I'm filling with weird objects uh, of human remains. I have a painting that um, is does scary things every time I add something to it. And <laughs> Have you yeah. found a Dr. Frankenstein-style lab yet? Because, I mean, that would just, like, explain everything. I haven't, but there's one door in the house that I haven't been brave enough to walk through yet, and I, as I approached it, a ball rolled out of it, and I was just <laughs> like, no, just back the direction. Um, yeah, all kinds of weird things. There was a moment where you're walking down a hallway and there's a stand with a telephone that keeps ringing and you can't answer the telephone and we couldn't figure out what to do next. It just kept making us repeat the hallway over and over. And then we realized that at one, as you come around the corner, the telephone comes flying across the room from a different yeah. place and lands on the table before you get to it. And it's like, <laughs> just, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. And, and you, you know, there's definitely things in the house. I've seen shadows. Yeah. Um, I've seen things move. I've seen... Um, paintings change and melt. Things keep melting. Like, yeah, it's really unsettling. It sounds like a lot of fun. It does sound like a lot of fun. Depends on what your idea of fun is. <laughs> it's exactly that. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's it. So uh, the visit and layers of fear. Um, cool. Yeah. Does anybody have anything else that we want to add before we uh, wrap up our what we're loving now? I think I'm no? good there. That's it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, today's topic is Preacher. Yay! I've been super psyched about this and we've all been doing some research and studying. We will begin our discussion of Preacher right after we take this little break. Billy Ray was a preacher's son And when his daddy would visit he'd come along When they gather around and started talking That's when Billy would take me walking Out through the backyard we go walking Then he look into my eyes Lord knows to my surprise and we're back and we're ready to talk about Preacher. Um, I think we're going to touch a little bit on both the show and the books. Right, ladies? Yep. yep. We've now been able to watch two episodes of the new AMC series for Preacher. Um, you you guys have both seen the new episode, right? Yes. Correct. Yes. Yay. I stayed up late last night so that I could see it. Everybody else went to bed. I watched um, it like first thing today. Oh, did you? Yeah. I thought about trying to work, watch it at work, but I couldn't really get away with that. Because, you know, I work in a salon and it's not the Yeah, you can't just like <laughs> so I read the entire Preacher series several years ago. It was, I think, one of the earliest comic book series that I read. Um, and you two are both brand new to it. Yes. So I'd really love to hear a little bit of your kind of like first impressions of the series as you've been reading it. Of the wow. actual comic series? Yeah, yeah. What do you think of the, for your first read? I like it. I knew that I was going to like it. It's just one of those things that I haven't had the chance or the time or, I don't know, haven't thought of it yet. Um, it's been on your backlog for a while? Yeah, definitely. Um, I love how 90s it is. <laughs> and I feel like that's my major qualm with the TV show is that it's not as 90s as I want it to be. See, I'm the opposite there. Like, I... I like the story a lot, but the art doesn't really appeal to me because it is just so damn 90s. It's a bit mm -hmm. dated. It's definitely yeah. dated. But I, I like how the uh, the TV series has updated those graphics and the individual elements of the story to be more modern, too. I, I think that um, the show is 
it's definitely doing some things different and I don't want to go too far into the show just yet. Um, but mm -hmm. there's probably going to be things that certain people are happy about changing and certain things that people are going to feel like take something away from it. Yeah. And I've been reading tons and tons of feedback on this over the last couple of days and I've seen all kinds of different opinions mm -hmm. on it. Sierra, when you're reading this for the first time, does it feel like anything else that you've read before? Like, is it reminiscent of anything or does it feel really different and fresh? It feels, I would say it feels pretty fresh. I especially appreciate the the kind of melding of genres in a way of kind of westerny and it's also a little vampire horror-y and then it's also a little religious and like heaven and hell-y. <laughs> so it's, it does kind of feel like it's unique in that way, I think. And that's also why maybe I haven't read it until now because I have, I was a little like, eh, maybe it might be a little too westerny or a little yeah. too like angels and demon-y and I don't know if I want to get into that right now, but yeah. it's, it's it, it definitely, I feel like it would have a little bit of everything for everybody. It's got a lot going on. Yeah. yeah. Jackie, what do you think? Well, for me, because it's a Vertigo comic, it kind of has that same, you know, epic story kind of feel to it that a lot of the other Vertigo, uh, you know, the other comics in the Vertigo series have had. Uh, but also, I read a lot of The Boys, and which is by the same writer. And so it has Goodness. a yeah. And so it has a lot of those same uh, general tones that uh, Preacher has, you know. And The Boys is actually in uh, production talks right now as well, uh, specifically with Preacher showrunner Seth Rogen mm -hmm. and uh, Supernatural showrunner uh, Eric, Eric Kripke. So it's interesting how these projects kind of come together because if you read The Boys or if you watch uh, Supernatural, you'll actually see elements of Preacher in both of those things. Um, so is for it, me... Oh, sorry. Ahead. Is it kind of the way that like Stephen King books are all kind of in the same universe? Like they reference each other? Sort of, but there or, are... Like, characters show up? Yeah, there are actually uh, very specific references. Like um, one thing I notice in Preacher is uh, I don't want to jump too much into details, but at some point there are uh, two two Colt 45s that are created to kill virtually anything. Mm -hmm. In the show Supernatural, if you watch that, that's a running theme through many seasons is they've got to get the Colt. The Colt will kill anything. we got to defeat this foe with the Colt. So, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's little details like that. And in, uh, in terms of the preacher and the boys uh, between each other, it's more in tone. I don't, I can't really think of any specific crossovers with really uh, detailed elements or uh, characters or anything like that, like the cult is. But just, I mean, you can tell it's written by the same guy. Sure. Same kind of feel to it, which I think is great. Garth uh, Dennis has a pretty distinct tone. Yeah, he really writing, does. And he likes to make his personal feelings on political and religious ideas mm -hmm. very clear in his writing. Yeah, so that I felt that was, uh, I mean, having read The Boys, that was like kind of coming home. And, you know, it was, it was a welcome feeling reading The Preacher or reading Preacher and still having that same feel of things that I have explored before. So referencing what we said earlier about this book being dated, the second time around, um, I noticed that there's a lot more dated in this book, actually, than just the art. Um, mm -hmm. When this book was written, I don't think we were quite as aware of oh, yeah. things this was, let's see, the first one was published in 1996. We definitely weren't talking then about representation of women in books. We weren't talking about, you know, um, homophobia in books. We weren't talking about a lot of things that we're addressing now in the comics industry. Yeah. yeah. And this book is definitely not super PC. I wasn't like super surprised. I think I kind of already knew that going in, but it was definitely like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you haven't read anything from the 90s in a long time, you know, and you read modern comic books now there's a drastic difference in how 
these the stories are told. And yeah, this book is, I, I didn't even think about it the first time I read it, because I think when I first read it, it was probably, I don't know, maybe 2000 around there. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't really noticing those things that we shouldn't do anymore. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't noticing. I mean, they use the word faggot quite a bit in this mm-hmm. book. It's kind of shocking to see that in writing now. It really um, is. That's not something that is socially accepted. It no, be. no. And it's not, I think it's a, some of those old plot devices. There's so much masculinity in this book and so much of d- defining these characters as how masculine they are and yeah. using derogatory terms uh, describing somebody as, as gay or various ways of saying that as an insult is not, yeah. you know, it's not something that we do now. And so it is a little shocking to see that. And um, also I want to ask you to how you interpreted Tulip in this oh. book and sort of her place in this story. That's because exactly. I think it- <laughs> Tulip in the book sucks. Okay. <laughs> I haven't gotten Tell us how you far. really feel, Jackie. She sucks. <laughs> but I haven't gotten extremely far in the story. And I know that as even as far as I've gotten, she's gotten better. But mm-hmm. she starts out at this, as this like whimpering little idiot. Honestly, she just kind of she doesn't really seem like a character that's completely together as herself. And then you go into this TV show and all of a sudden so this fucking badass chick comes out of nowhere strangling the shit out. Well, no, I guess he was strangling her, but beating the shit out of a guy in a car. <laughs> And all of a sudden, you know, she's yeah. making a bazooka out of coffee cans and all this. And it's like, wow, can I, I be I her when I grow up? I that was Tulip for like yeah. the longest time watching the show. I'm like, wait, is that? No. <laughs> Yeah, that I, I he said her name. I was like, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I knew it was because I've been stalking the production of this thing for so long. Yeah. <laughs> so I already knew what she looked like. Yeah, it seems like it's it's a, a quite a bit different from the book. Like the the Tula character seems pretty different from the book, uh, in my opinion. But I think I see it as a good thing. I really see it as a very good thing for Tulip and her character. Yeah, Tulip is very much um a sidekick in the yeah. book. She's mm-hmm. she's sort of there and she gets she gets kind of bounced around a little bit between Jesse and Cassidy at the beginning of this series um you know she's she's there to comfort Jesse she's there to be mad at Jesse she's there to um try to get Jesse to not spend so much time with Cassidy it's she's just sort of a backdrop to their stories yeah like the device for their own plots instead of having um you know goals of her own right Right. and the first time I read it I didn't it didn't bother me that much I'm not sure if because I was so distracted by the other characters I just didn't think about the fact that she didn't really have a fleshed out character but this time around reading it I found found myself very frustrated with just the you know why if he abandoned her why is she pulling him out of the rubble and why is she exactly he spends the first like five issues following him around just begging him to tell her why he left it's very codependent Mm -hmm. it's so hard to see that now I think we have so so much higher expectations of the things that people are creating and the things that we're spending our time reading and enjoying Right, especially when it comes to uh, woman characters in general. Mm-hmm. And I think the uh, showrunners kind of saw that and was like, we got to beef up this character a bit. She's pretty lame. So, yeah, so there's, if we want to jump right into talking, making comparisons here to the show, there's quite a few things that have changed that I noticed. Yeah. Um, 
Tulip's one of the most obvious ones, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, to me, Jesse seems very different. Yeah. Already. Um, he's less grizzled and feeling. Oh, he, to me, in the in the books, he comes across as a complete asshole from the beginning. Yeah. Um, he's very selfish. He doesn't, you know, uh, he's, he's very much about what very his, patient. yeah, what his goal is, what he needs to do, where he needs to go, um, even down to the way that he treats Cassidy, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cassidy's a vampire, sure, but he's still your friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this, you know, the, the whole scene of watching Jesse call Cassidy an abomination is just heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you wouldn't, he's, Jesse is very much, um, I don't know, I feel like he's much more of a product of his environment, of this sort of, you know, they really build up the whole stereotypical redneck southern town thing. Mm-hmm. And they, he feels more like a product of that and, a, and a, just a piece of that, where I think in the show, he feels a bit more introspective and yeah. like a, a little more self-aware mm-hmm. you know in the book it's kind of like you're reading it and i just keep thinking why don't you know you're an asshole don't you know <laughs> right in that same vein it seems like uh in the show he really kind of sees his effect on the community around him and how he can influence or affect uh the people of his congregation um whereas the the book he's just basically affected by them well they've taken a completely you know left turn with the show because in the book that congregation is blown up right yeah beginning of the story so immediately yeah you just the only time you really get to know those people or that town are in short little flashbacks Mm -hmm. um where the show has taken a completely different approach to that and instead of sending jesse immediately on this trek to find god and confront him with his lack of responsibility um and selfishness jesse is actually spending time in his hometown trying to improve the world around him and trying to like be he seems to really want to be a good preacher yeah mm-hmm. he's to be struggling with his faith a lot right well in the book it's obvious that you know he wasn't a preacher by his own choice mm-hmm. right um but it seems like here he sees he sees a real value in it and he does want to try to be that person yeah um i think one of the things that i'm afraid that they're going to miss out on in this show that I, that makes the comic special to me is the criticism of religion of organized religion and and its process the preacher comics are seen as straight up blasphemy to a lot of people yeah. and they're you know they're really just really confrontational with religion and do you, do you think that'll come through on the tv show eventually or i hope it does i hope that that's not one of the things that they're trying to soften yeah. mm-hmm. in this because so far it's 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 very softened you know i mean jesse's yeah, it... already he's already gone from being like i'm pissed off at god and i'm gonna hunt his ass down to i'm gonna think about who i am and yeah. try to improve i'm the gonna world. give this another shot right. <laughs> so you know i don't know for me the comment that's one of the main appeals of it is that it was straight up a a very in-your-face challenge to the idea of organized religion and to how it's played out for many people in their lives. Yeah, that's definitely something that I could see a uh, network being very involved in. Like, hey, wait a second here. I know you guys want to keep this to the source material, but we want ratings and we want to not get in trouble here. Right. But then again, the show did start out with uh, priests blowing up. Including and Tom splattering. Yeah, and splattering their <laughs> church and blood. So, you know, I would think that if anyone is going to 
be offended by their challenge of the church and of religion, they would have bailed out by now. Yeah, that's true. You know, um, this is AMC. So, you know, they do a pretty, they've done a pretty good job with translating a lot of the brutality from The Walking Dead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, but not all of it. And yeah, I just hope they don't soften that part because that is what makes Preacher what it is. Yeah, I agree. Um, So I just want to point out a few sort of really quick, big observations that I've made in the differences between the show and the books. The first one, of course, is that Tulip is completely different. Not Mm -hmm. only in that she's also a woman of color now, um, instead of a blonde white girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she's a completely different character and she's got a personality and she's got her own goals and her own uh, agenda. Uh, The TV show is set in Texas for the entire first season, which is where Jesse is from. Whereas in the book, we jump right into him traveling all over the place. I have heard talk that they originally the plan was to lay out the each episode of the show as one comic book issue. Interesting. And they figured out very quickly that that was going to be incredibly expensive because they all take place in different locations. (laughs) Um, So they decided to take a different route in that. Cassidy first meets Jesse in the show, whereas he actually first meets Tulip in the comics. Mm -hmm. Right. And Jesse and uh, Cassidy and Tulip both go to Jesse together. And Jesse is, we've already talked about, Jesse is definitely a lot angrier in the comic book. When he's more sullen in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not he's not grown on me yet, but I really, I think he could grow on me with time. I actually really like him, and I really yeah. like the uh, casting choice for him, too. I feel like he carries a lot of that weight that Jesse should be carrying, but I think it's more in a somber tone rather than an angry tone. Mm-hmm. It's less aggressive. Yeah. I guess, except for he does have his moments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's going to be a point at which he has to turn into the other Jesse, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if they're going to keep his uh, history what it is. Yeah, I can't see them doing the grandmother relationship the same way. Right, and they and did already turn out so quiet. Yeah, they did already touch on his history, so it seems like the history is going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Right, and and he's not going to be able to do, you know, any of the things that will that are coming that we know from the story that are coming if they follow the story at all without hardening. Although mm-hmm. I feel like in the past uh, episode last night, there was definitely some hardening. I mean, like you see him deal with the bus driver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He goes to deal with the bus driver and once he realizes that, so he now has this power from Genesis, the, the word of God, where he can uh, make demands of people and they have to do what he says. And once he realizes he has that ability, one of the first things he decides to do is to essentially bring his own punishment upon this person that he feels is doing something bad. Who is a pedophile, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But he also at the end of that scene seemed genuinely afraid of himself and his new power. Yeah, he did. Right, right. which definitely is not a part of the book. Yeah. Jesse in the book is immediately like, I have this power and you guys are going to stick things in your butt because I tell you to. (laughs) (laughs) Also, what about Sheriff Root? Sheriff Root is drastically different between the book and the show. Do you guys think that that is mainly a PC issue where they're trying to avoid Sheriff Root was a pretty horrible potty mouth yeah, I think that it probably racism and they weren't able to or didn't even want to like give voice to that. I feel like they probably didn't feel like it was that important because it doesn't seem like Sheriff Root is getting a lot of play so far. Mm-hmm. Well, not only that, not only his the the fact that he is a terrible bigot and a horrible person in the 
book, but he seems to me markedly more empathetic mm-hmm. and softer with with Arseface mm-hmm. <laughs> um, than he was in the book. You know, he was pretty terrible to him in the book, and he's not he's not a warm guy. Yeah, he's still show. he's still kind of terrible. Right, yeah. right. But in the book, I mean, he just he basically just treats his son like a chunk of gum on the bottom of a shoe. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like they're kind of just downplaying his character in general. I think. Yeah. Downplaying some and upplaying others, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Can we talk about Cassidy? Talk yes, about Cassidy. Because he is one of my favorite characters in the book, and I think that the casting of him has been perfect. It has been. It has. He's so fun to see on screen. I think he. The, I don't know this actor. I'm not familiar with him, but I think he's just been an incredible live action Cassidy. Like I don't even know how I would imagine Cassidy before, but I saw mm-hmm. him on screen and I was like, "That's him." Yep. Oh my God, <laughs> Interesting note about the casting. Uh, Joseph uh, Gilgun is uh, the actor that plays Cassidy. He was apparently in a British show called Misfits for a long time with Ruth Nega, who plays Tulip. Oh, so that like I'm I really don't know very much about that show at all. I, I looked this up just before we started recording tonight. Um, but it I know it has like an 8.3 rating on IMDb, and just seeing those two in it, I'm like damn sure gonna watch this show and at least give it a shot now. So I watched the first two seasons of that show and I did not recognize them. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. The other podcast I used to do, The Misfits, we did an episode on The Misfits. Right. And we had to watch the show. So it, it is a really cool, really fun show. But I totally did not recognize those actors, <laughs> either one of them. <laughs> so now, now I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> Cassidy, let's talk about his opening scene because I feel like that was a fantastic introduction to that character uh, with him on the plane. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And the, the entire fight scene in general was awesome but my particular favorite moment <laughs> was him uh you know smashing the end of the bottle the off bottle. shoving it in the in the captain and then so leaning good. it over and using it as like a <laughs> Uh, like a drain <laughs> yeah a tap for uh the the poor captain's blood and uh, i mean that right there like the little details there just really sold me on the series in general i mean not just scene. <laughs> there are a lot of little details like that i've noticed throughout just these two mm-hmm. episodes i'm excited to see more i my first thought when i saw the first episode at the end of it i thought anybody who watches this and hasn't read the book is just gonna ask themselves what the fuck am i watching yeah mm-hmm. it's just yeah. you know as much as they've changed from the book to the the show one thing I think they're getting absolutely right is the sort of frenetic pace and just very like almost cartoony yeah uh, feeling of jumping from one crazy thing to another and and that's I mean, just normal yeah. yeah yeah I mean you've got this like like cowboy southern preacher guy who's sort of walking around sullen and he's looking for God who's just decided to abandon his place as God and go do something else and a vampire mm-hmm. <laughs> an Irish vampire who drinks a lot and just wants to party and you know tulip who i really don't even know who she is anymore because she's like yeah. a whole new tulip i'm about to see who that is i know i'm so excited to just <laughs> meet a completely new tulip <laughs> seriously um but i feel like if you jump like for a good example that scene that you mentioned with cassidy if you hadn't if you're not familiar with the books and you don't recognize that cassidy is a vampire and he's being hunted by these <laughs> vampire hunters who just won't leave him alone they're constantly chasing him down and trying to kill him him. You know, you would ask yourself, why are there so many weapons on this plane? Yeah, the way they hit the weapons on the side was another little detail. Is like, oh wow, there was an axe there. How cool! <laughs> it was like an axe. There was a bow and arrow. There were knives. Several there was... spears. <laughs> yeah, spears. <laughs> 
It's like the, like there was just a chest of weapons behind the bar that <laughs> you didn't see until that moment, <laughs> which makes sense if you know if you know that they're vampire hunters searching for him. But yeah, um, but it's, I feel like it set a really good tone for Cassidy, not just in that he's constantly being chased, but he has amazing comedic timing in this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's that is a great part, and I think that that's improved from the book. Like you get the feeling from the book that Cassidy has a great sense of humor and that he's he's very much seeing life as kind of a big joke. Yeah. That he's just going from one party to the next and just ha- he's like whatever he just goes along with whatever happens next mm-hmm. um but i think the show really took that and blew it up in his personality so he's a very likable fella agreed and this last episode how amazing is the scene of him in the church fighting with these guys with the arm the, the chainsaw. arm, <laughs> the the evil dead yeah. Moment. Yeah. The arm with the chainsaw. <laughs> yeah that was fantastic and that great sort of montage of him you know hacking up the bodies and disposing of them and yeah and then he opens up the door and faces the sun and it's like oh shit yeah <laughs> and he literally curses the morning yep. <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> just because it's inconvenient he's got yeah. business to do and now he's got to go to bed <laughs> yeah and it seemed like uh the dynamic between cassidy and uh jesse was off to a good start in this mm-hmm. most yeah. recent episode too like they kind of have a little odd couple dynamic going on between them which i like they do and uh something i think was really good in this past episode that we should talk about too is the book um you meet jesse sort of in at the end of his his falling out you know he's lost his faith he's desperate he's an alcoholic like he's in a bad place um in the show they're really letting us kind of witness that happen slowly Mm -hmm. and it feels a lot more realistic like you're kind of going for the ride with him we're seeing him become disenchanted we're seeing him struggle with um hypocrisy in what he does the hypocrisy of who he is the hypocrisy of his people oh yeah big time yeah which is a great decision i think Uh, i mean personally i know it endears me to jesse more right and seeing him go through that struggle not just that he's a nicer person this time around but yeah Yeah. (laughs) but you can see why he might be an asshole yeah (laughs) the the datedness of i love a lot of what garth ennis does but i think a big downfall of preacher is it's uh hyped up stereotypical portrayal of a small southern town yeah Uh, jackie you live in georgia i lived in florida for 15 years in north florida these people exist but it's not the majority of the people you come in contact with and it's so over it's so overdone and so heavy-handed in the book yeah Um, the racism the bigotry the woman beating child abusive alcoholic you know all Mm. these terrible stereotypes about people from small towns in the south and the show i think does does a great job of balancing that by throwing in some new characters. Yeah, his, I can't remember her name offhand, but uh, Jesse's assistant. He's, right. Yeah. Emily is her name? Yep. Yeah, she does a good job of humanizing that side of the uh, the small town that you're seeing there, and, you know, her and her kids, and it seems like she's got an interesting backstory with her husband. Right. Um, but yeah, I I mean, I know she's not in the stories, as, as at least as far as I've read, but... No, she's not. Yeah, it seems like they've thrown her in as uh, to be a good connection between uh, Jesse and this town that he's struggling to want to help. And I think to make the town seem more real. Yeah. Yeah. To give it some kind of stake. Yeah. I don't know if maybe in the 1990s, everybody thought that that was really how the South is. But... They did. Some of them still do. I have this argument online way too often. Okay? <laughs> way too often. I think we all know better now. 
You would so, think so. But... Maybe that wouldn't fly now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's such a tough balance, and I never really thought about it that much until we decided to do the show, and I really started to compare side by side the book and the show, that trying to take this material, it's not just the, the hard part about turning this into a movie or a TV show isn't just about touching on how critical of religion and how blasphemous mm-hmm. the whole thing is, you know? You've got an angel and a demon making a baby together, you're blowing up priests all over the place, God's just decided that he's not going to be God anymore. <laughs> it's just whatever, you know? It's not just that stuff, and it's not just the language or, or the bigotry, but it's also trying to translate that into 2016, which is a whole different world from 1996. Yeah, it really is. Trying and to make an audience 20 years later accepting yeah, seeing, seeing those two side by side really shows you just how much we've changed as a society in terms of what's acceptable and not. It's like a time capsule now. It really is. You know, to look back at this book and you're like, wow, we said stuff like that back then? Yeah. Like, they could put that in writing? Ooh. Right. Plus, you know, Jesse Seinfeld hair going on there in the comics. <laughs> <laughs> he does have better hair now. So much better. <laughs> My favorite part of seeing this on screen is the added music. As I was reading, I was like, oh, I should be listening to Johnny Cash right now. <laughs> yeah. And then the show just does that for you. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Um, along with the music, the production value in, in general is amazing. Mm-hmm. In this. The cinematography is so good. Exactly. There are a lot of points in here that they use specific tricks to really make you feel certain things. And I feel like if you're not looking for it, you might miss it. But like anytime uh, Jesse is really trying to share his faith, like he feels like he still has that faith and he's trying to spread it. He's backlit. There's always a shining light behind him. Oh, I didn't, I didn't notice that. that. And anytime he is really down and lost his faith there's shadow on his face Mm -hmm. and um in this most recent episode when tulip uh you know traps him and straddles him and is getting real serious real fucking fast she's she's very uplit and it you know highlights all the flaws in her face and it just makes her look like a very serious character and that is just so perfect there so i i'm so excited to see this kind of um detail added to the show like i i have like a huge list of notes of details just because I've, I've been loving it so much, these little tiny uh, things here and there. But yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> this looks amazing. Like when Jesse goes and uh, talks to the bus driver, the pedophile bus driver, mm-hmm. and he calmly takes off his jacket. And oh, he yeah, and just hangs it up. Right, oh my God, that's it. such a good moment. Yeah, he doesn't put it on a hook. He takes the time in the care to put it on a coat hanger and then put the coat hanger back on the wall. Like that. Meanwhile, this guy is just like pleading yeah. and like, no, oh, you're right, I wasn't yeah. doing enough. I'll do more. Every second is making it so much more stressful for this guy right here. Like, you can't do this. You can't do this. Well, you know, I noticed in that moment, what happened was him hanging up the jacket. It Mm -hmm. gave this guy time to think about what's happening. Yeah. Like, he he turned on the water and the guy's just looking at the tub for a few minutes. Like, why would he do that? Yeah. You can't just come in here, turn on the water, and then you see him in his face like, And you watch him take off his jacket and roll up his sleeves. And you're like, oh, wait, he's rolling up his sleeves? Oh, Oh. dang. (laughs) (laughs) He's not going to take a bath. No, (laughs) this preacher did not come over to shower. No. Yeah, the, the the color and the movement, the fight scenes too are so great. Like I love how the fight scenes they're fast paced and they're exciting, but you don't miss anything. Yeah, they're not, they're not so fast that you can't keep up with what's happening. You see every detail of what's happening. Yeah, the camera angles in that are really well put together so that you can see all those incredible details so much better too. And they don't do any silly cheesy Matrix 
tricks, tricks to make no. things look, you know, it, it looks very, it looks very organic, but also un, unrealistic at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like this is, this, this is a comic book fight scene. Yeah. But it's another, not weird slow motion. Another thing I've noticed here is the uh, various color tones. Um, I mean, for one, they have the very, you know, Texas kind of sepia sort of color mm-hmm. tone going on. And I mean, that just gives it a Western feel. But then when uh, Jesse is questioning everything about his religion and um, even when Cassidy is there with him and they're both, you know, going through this emotional uh, roller coaster that is life, you know, they're in the in the church and everything is green and blue and the lines are blurred and the, you know, contrast is taken down. So it's it everything is subdued and it's got this nice cover over it that makes you feel like you should be lost in thought with them. And I really like that there. This, the uh, the scenes of the just like the out, outdoor scenes in front of the church mm-hmm. um, in particular when he's out there with the people I think I don't know what they're doing with the cinematography because I'm not good at spotting these details but I remember thinking it just feels hot like, yeah yeah like oh everything feels so hot and dry like <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like I'm there and I, I can feel the, the heat bouncing off of the, the ground. Like, sticky on your sweat face. feeling, yeah. Yeah. It's um and everything's sort of just slightly dusty. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you it very much feels like a western and it's very a very encompassing feel there. So I have a question for you two, now that you're reading the books as well. Is there anything in particular that happens in the book that you're really hoping to make it into the show or or something that you really would not like to see happen in the show um i'm curious to see if they drop um john wayne or if they have him as like a voiceover or, or an image or coming to talk to jesse at all he's definitely a big part of who jesse is though. yeah it is and it it's still it makes jesse um more childlike like he kind of got to that point in his life and then kind of stopped growing up because he had to grow up so fast that like part of him kind of had to stay a kid too like he held on to john wayne as his his safety his his security blanket blanket. yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'm mostly just uh interested to see how they're going to do the saint of killers it seems like the Mm -hmm. uh cowboy montage might be directly related to that but i guess we haven't really quite figured out yet in terms of the show if that is going to be the saint of killers or not but i feel like it is i think it is i don't think we've seen a whole lot of the uh angels yet other than the two Oh crap! I'm gonna forget their names. The two angels that we saw in this past episode who were um, stalking him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't think of their names now. Um, uh, or... No, I don't. I thought I knew their names, and I don't. That's <laughs> gonna drive me nuts because I can't find it. Um, yeah, but the two angels who were there basically trying to clean up the mess and trying to find him. But other than that, we haven't really seen a whole lot of reference to you know what's happening in heaven or mm-hmm. except for the very first intro of like outer space. Right. Yeah. Which was, Which was incredible. That animation sequence was amazing yeah at first i wasn't sure if i was watching the right thing I was <laughs> like, is, this, is this right yeah and then this you hear bizarre. the baby crying and it's like yeah. oh okay yeah i get the right channel doing. i see you <laughs> they're, they're sort of telling the same story but in a completely different order right yeah mm-hmm. it seems it's like they've way. reorganized it so that it's easier to it's easier to watch sort of as time goes by where in the comic books they sort of throw you into it and then they just throw a million flash backs on you every couple exactly. of days. <laughs> yeah. I forget in the book does Genesis enter anybody else before Jesse? Or do not that we think see. he just goes straight to Jesse. Yeah, yeah, no, not that we see. I think maybe they just wanted to have that kind of first scene of 
in Africa, the guy b- like before the church and then have him explode, yeah. kind of echoing the scene in the book where Jesse's um, audience explodes when he gets overtaken by Genesis. I, I, I thought that that seemed kind of like they were trying to do something similar. Right. Well, um, it's, it's interesting to see what kind of uh, global involvement that might entail just because they threw that in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that we already saw at the end of this episode, it looks like they're introducing Odin Quincannon, mm-hmm. who was this character who runs like a meat factory of some kind um really creepy guy and what is that actor's name jackie earl haley yeah oh man i was so excited to see him yeah and of course a lot of people that would be listening to this probably know him as rorschach from uh watchman from the watchman and they you know they're obviously they're placing that now right in anvil so they're really kind of compacting a lot of the locations in the story yeah maybe maybe if more people watch it the budget will get bigger and next season we'll get to see more locations yeah i i'm interested if they're going to go uh how far they're going to go into with the story of the grail which was the the big religious fanatic group Mm -hmm. that decides to you know they have like this whole like inner working conspiracy going on where they want to somebody in the group her star this crazy german warrior guy military guy he wants to take jesse in the books he wants to take jesse and use Jesse as a tool to essentially begin the apocalypse and destroy yeah. everything. And that's really a complex part of the story. So I'm wondering if they're how they're going to translate that into the that show. That seems, seems like if they uh, bring that in, it would be like an entire season's worth of... Of build-up and reveal and... Yeah, it would be like the season villain, you know, like yeah. the main plot of a big season. Yeah. It feels like kind of the governor too, Walking yeah. Dead. Yeah, for sure. I feel really nervous to meet the family. Me too, but like, excited nervous. <laughs> At some point, Jody's going to show up, and that guy scares the hell out of me. <laughs> Jody and Grandma and TC are going to show up, and mm-hmm. I feel I feel like anxiety about when that's happening. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, they're just they're just nasty people. Mm-hmm. And you know this this Jesse is so much um, so much softer and kind of somebody that you want to see succeed and you want to see him do well. Yeah. So I don't want to want his family to come and do terrible things to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems um, like they may have left out how he became the preacher there in Anvil in the show. They mentioned that it was his father's that he took over. Right, right. they do the flashbacks of his father and that seems um, like a very tender kind of beginning mm-hmm. rather than, I don't want to say hateful, well, but it kind of is hateful. <laughs> in the well, end. But they do keep showing flashbacks of his father being shot. Yeah. One of the good guys because there's too many bad. Right, yeah. so we know that they are staying loyal to the story of what happened to his father right, and how he lost his father that's the the secret here is when when will we meet jody when will we meet grandma and tc and how much time are they going to spend on those people i don't think they'll be able to spend a huge amount of time on them because their story is just so fucking fucked up and they're not going to be able to put a lot of that onto tv but yeah like i'd wonder if they'd even bother doing jesse's friend the the kid with one eye i don't think they would i'm assuming they would not i feel like he was sort of just a a a plot device in the book to show why jesse is who he is you know he's just another reason why Jesse hates his family. Yeah. Another reason why he's full of trauma and hate and bitterness about the world. Yeah. I don't want to give I, I don't want to give too much away because this is sort of the end of the book, but the friendship between Cassidy and Jesse is tested to an extreme place mm-hmm. uh, by the time the comics end. So I wonder if they're gonna go there with the show. And I think if they did, it would be really smart because it's definitely gonna put a lot of humanity into Cassidy that we might 
not be able to see just watching him as who he is now. Mm-hmm. I feel like Cassidy's going to have to go through that the funny guy and the uh, the oddball types first before we can really get to a huge background for him. Like that might right. be down the road. Well, not a background for him, but something that happens late in the comics between him and Jesse that makes him feel like more of a person than he does now. Right. I feel like I don't want to talk about that part yet just because it's so far ahead. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's I not, really don't know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> let's not get into big spoilers yet. <laughs> I think we've covered a lot of our feelings on this. Do you guys have anything specific that you want to touch on that we that I've forgotten here with, with Preacher before we move on to some questions? Uh, one thing I will say is that if you're listening to this and you're not sure if you want to get into the comics or you're not a comic person but you still want to give the show a try, do it. Because I feel like it is a pretty good standalone piece. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't feel like you have to read the comics to uh, figure out completely what's going on there. Obviously it helps and uh, there is a little bit of disjointedness in the first episode in terms of where the fuck is this going and what the <laughs> hell did I just watch? But it is it is really good on its own and I don't I don't think you really need to do both in order to really get into the story and the world of Preacher. We Am also... I just imagining or does this feel a little bit like Edgar Wright to you? Like a this... little bit, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, this, like the speed it. and the colors and the... And, and the, just... the balance. Transitions, yeah. The yeah. balance of comedy and uh, story and action there. Mm-hmm. The perfect balance of comedy and horror. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say, Sierra? Oh, well, we didn't really touch too much on categorizing this as horror or not. Because when I was reading the comic... I was struggling a little bit here and there to feel like, is this really horror? Um, But then I think seeing it on screen, seeing the gore and seeing the kind of slapstick horror bits of it, I feel like the show is definitely more horror-y feeling to me. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think the book too, to me, delves into the like psychological horror side. Mm -hmm. And it it has a little more room to be kind of supernatural-y. Going up into heaven and hell and that kind of space. Yeah, It never goes 100% into horror yeah but there's enough blood and guts and supernatural activity and psychological terror i think Mm -hmm. to allow it to live in that category yeah my opinion oh another thing i wanted to mention in terms of uh the little details that i've been loving is the costume design you know first of all tulip has her awesome badass feminist shit and i feel like her (laughs) costume choices kind of reflect that a little bit she seems very confident and very uh very forward were there. You mean whereas... she's not kicking ass in stiletto heels? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god, that drives me crazy. And, uh, you know, Cassidy, and specifically toward the end of the uh, second episode that we just watched last night, he seems kind of all over the place. He's a pretty dis- disheveled. He's unsure of where to go from now. And if you look closely, he's wearing a rope as a belt. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, awesome. it's, it's those little details that they throw in and it's like, wow, this guy does not have his shit together <laughs> <laughs> and jesse specifically i love those little silver tips on his collar yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just screams southern texas to me if they didn't have that from the book i would have been so mad <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm gonna but, have to go back and rewatch this with all of jackie's detail yeah I'm a, I'm a detail kind of person sometimes i have to watch things twice so i can get the overview and then i can get the detailed view. i feel like i missed <laughs> half of the show now <laughs> So we have a 
couple of questions from our listeners. And we have listeners already. Yay! The first one I want to read is actually from a good friend of mine. He's at Just Drew VG. And he has a great podcast of his own called For the Love of Indie. And he wants to know, I'm curious what you all think about the casting in town. It was out of the comics so quick that we never got to see the community. What do you all think of the townsfolk? Oh, I think, yeah, we kind of already just talked about that one. Yeah, we touched on that a little bit, like the fact that we're staying in Anvil and the show Mm -hmm, and the comic you just get little. But what do you think of some of the people that we're meeting in the town? Like, are there any in particular that stand out to you? Well, there's a guy that went to see his mother in the Mm -hmm. first episode. That was quite interesting. I think it's really interesting that they put the town there to be so involved with Jesse. Like you see their effect on Jesse Mm -hmm. uh, so clearly here. You know, one with the guy pestering him over and over again. And Jesse just really wants to get away from this guy. And, you know, then then he gets the voice and the guy just fucking disappears and kills himself in front of his mother, which was really rad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I actually feel like there's a nice uh, diversity with the town like we talked about with humanizing it with Emily and her kids and all that and then there's the guy whose uh, kid wants Jesse to beat him up and he's being a complete and total asshole mm-hmm. in the bar and all of his friends are big giant rednecky douchebags and it seems like there's a very nice variety in the town and I, I, I'm very interested to see how, how that progresses there since we didn't see that in the comics very much at all. I love the conversation that Jesse has with the wife yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. redneck guy and yeah. you know and he is so awkward and uncomfortable and it's almost like I felt like watching it like I realized what she was saying before Jesse did right you he was know, totally like, oh, just stop <laughs> asking questions now <laughs> like, no oh oh no no <laughs> And she's just I, I don't I didn't really know how to take that you know was she really saying that yes we do he hurts me because I like it or was she or was she covering for him right but but the way, yeah. but the way she looked at him with a smile on her face it was just she like, meant it yeah she totally meant it <laughs> Your work here is done, Preacher. <laughs> Sierra, uh, what characters have you really liked in the town? Like, is there anybody that... Uh, I I am interested... I'm. We talked about her before, Emily and her kids. Yeah. I'm interested in her relationship with Jesse. I don't think she has as much of a relationship I as know. she would like to. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And he, he kind of hints at it a little bit and she kind of like, oh no, I, I'm available. Yeah. Kind of thing. I, I think feel that... Ba- I feel bad for her already. Yeah, I do too. I, I want I want, I want to know, know more about her. her husband. Yeah, I want to know what her her dreams are. <laughs> <laughs> no, like what what yours? Her, yeah, what's her what's her past? And I'm like, why? What's her favorite what color? What does she really want? Yeah, I think her dreams are probably that Jesse stops falling asleep drunk in the church. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciates her ca- casseroles. <laughs> <laughs> So here's a really fun question we got from at Sammy Castle, and he wants to know Cassidy, he says, was one of his favorite characters. On that note, give us some of your favorite vamps uh, from any media. So he wants to know about some of our favorite vampire characters other than Cassidy, who we're all smitten Big with. Big fans of, yeah. I saw that question on Twitter and I was so excited about it. I love vampires. I was actually really mad that this whole Twilight craze came out because it's so terrible and I've always it's loved vampires. It's almost like a bad word now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
but they some of my favorite fires for us all. Yeah. <laughs> some of my favorite I mentioned in the last episode that I Am Legend is my favorite horror novel mm-hmm. and that deals with vampires a lot. But in terms of very specific vampires, one of my favorite individual vampires is Ellie in Let the Right One In. And she's this adorable little girl that takes Oscar out of a shell. And the two of them together, they have a great dynamic there and they have a, a great relationship. And you get to know Ellie on a more personal level than I feel like you do with a lot of vampires. She's just a little girl and she's very strange and wild and I like her. Are you talking about the American version or the original? Mm-hmm. The original version. Okay. Uh, the American version had a uh, Chloe Moretz in it. I don't remember right. her name in that one, but I actually really didn't like that one. Was I feel she, like with the gender switched in the American version? No, no, no. It, the no, gender switched. It was still the little girl vampire. Uh, and I feel like in the uh, American remake, which we should just have an entire show on remakes. Comparing the two? Yeah. On, you know, remakes of good horror movies specifically. But and that one was Let Me In, right? Yeah. Then the American one was right. Let Me In. And they turned the little boy into, you know, from a, a little loner and a, a sad kid to a perverse onlooker, I feel like. And I hated it. But in the original, uh, Oscar and Ellie, I, I love the relationship between those two. And I, I loved watching Ellie grow and try to get out of that town. Sierra, do you have favorite vampires? I like the classics. Yeah. I, I mostly love Bella Lugosi because I love like Ed Wood and <laughs> the, to the Tim Burton movie, especially. I'm obsessed. I love them. <laughs> I also, I, I don't think we mentioned this in the last one. I went to Romania last summer into Transylvania proper. That's really cool. Yeah, I went to the, the castle that inspired Dracula and went in through like secret passages in Dracula's castle and all that stuff. And Awesome. It was so cool, yeah. <laughs> I love the um, Gary Oldman's Dracula. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, Bram yeah. Stoker's mm-hmm. Dracula. I mean, I love Gary Oldman in anything, but I thought that Dracula was a really cool, like classic Dracula rendition. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my favorites, too. Some of my favorite vampires who I thought of immediately with this question is from a comic series called American Vampire, which is one of my all-time favorite horror comic series. And there's the two main characters are Skinner Sweet, uh, who's this really, like, Wild West bad boy, sexy vampire womanizer, but he's kind of a, he's like cowboy, and Mm -hmm. uh, he's just, he's really bad. And he's always betraying people and doing the wrong thing and getting in trouble. And then there's Pearl Jones, who is a vampire who sort of becomes his forever love interest and frenemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. I couldn't think of another way to explain her. She was brought into she was brought into the, the vampire circle in the 1920s. So she starts as this like flapper aspiring actress who becomes is turned into a vampire and her and Skinner Sweet have this really great long term over the centuries chemistry where they're they really love each other but they're really bad for each other. And it's a really Really sweet bloody vampire love story. <laughs> love those stories. Yeah. So those are my favorite vamps. Have you guys ever seen um, Being Human? No. There is an American remake of it, but it's a uh, British TV show about a vampire, a werewolf, and a ghost who live together. Aww. And it's, it's Do adorable. Do they get up to shenanigans? Total shenanigans. <laughs> like absolute <laughs> shenanigans. And it's uh, another one of my favorite vampires is Hal from the uh, British version of that. And he has OCD and he actually like will sit there and set up dominoes and never knock them down and that's how he stops himself from killing people is just to oh, like wow. really focus on his OCD uh, but yeah that's a that's a fun little dynamic there too. So to add one more because now I feel like I would be amiss if I didn't mention these guys all of the vampire roommates of what we do in the shadows. Oh yeah. 
are like some of my favorite vampires ever. One of the best. I, best I haven't seen that, but movies. it looks really funny. Oh my god, Jackie, you have to see this movie. <laughs> I, I've never seen a movie that I've watched over so many times and I still laugh as hard as I did the first time. I just I can't. I just sit and like giggle to myself like a lunatic every time I see this movie. Awesome. It's it's amazing. And all of the vampires in this, especially Peter, is one of my favorites. Is the Sierra, did you see what we what we do in the shadows? I've seen, to be honest, I've seen part of it. Part of it? Yeah. It's an amazing comedy movie about a bunch of vampires who are roommates and they all come from different periods in time. And it's a it's a mockumentary. Mm-hmm. Supposed to be a documentary of these guys, like a and Peter is the ancient old vampire that lives like in a cabinet in the in the basement, <laughs> and he doesn't speak, and they can't really communicate with him. He just sort of grunts and <laughs> jamming a chicken into his coffin to try to feed him. <laughs> like he just walks around with his arms crossed, like glaring at everybody, and love it. But yeah, those guys are some of my favorite vampires. We're getting really long, so I think we're gonna wrap this up. We have talked about preacher a lot and i think we've covered everything we love and everything we don't love about it right yes and thank you everybody who has sent us questions so far thank you everybody who's been sharing our episodes and giving us feedback on it it's been really really awesome to see the all the positive feedback that we've had so far on this and we have a huge list of topics that we're going to share with you guys and talk to you about and we're really excited to do all of that our next episode will be about the conjuring 2 and the warrants and i'm so excited (laughs) it's gonna be fun (laughs) this one is jackie's big moment oh yes it's my time to shine your time to shine <laughs> I actually have to go back and rewatch The Conjuring one because it's been a really long time, so I need to remind myself. Yeah, I don't have to, but I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> Sirens of Scream is a member of the Mega Nerd Media family. Visit MeganerdMedia.com for geek-related columns, reviews, interviews, and videos. And you can find us via email at SOS at MeganerdMedia.com. You can also talk to us on Twitter at Sirens of Scream. And we are on Facebook. So check us out on Facebook and like our page. And you can see we've all three of us are sharing fun things on Twitter and on Facebook all the time. A wide variety of various creepy artwork and links and all kinds of cool stuff. Sierra, where can listeners find you online? Uh, my handle is at Sierra Houck, H-O-U-K, That's on everything. So complex. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's hard to remember. It really is. Jackie, where can we find you? I am Jackie the Robot at Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me at Lissa Punch on Twitter and Instagram. And that's a wrap for this episode. Bye. Bye.
Sometimes. 